Amen. Our second reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, and you can find this on page 120 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Earlier this week, I spent three days with a group of 25 pastors that calls itself, rather generically, the community. We serve Presbyterian churches across the country as pastors and heads of staff. We span different generations and stages of ministry. Some are preparing to retire, while others are in their first call as head of staff. We meet twice a year at one of the members' churches. Last week, we were in Waco, Texas, where my colleague Leslie King is the pastor of First Presbyterian Church. Each time we are together, we share meals, we worship, we learn. In Waco, we heard two lectures by a Baylor University professor of ethics. We also relax and have fun. Last week, we went kayaking on the Brazos River and toured a local whiskey distillery. But the most important thing we do is to share with one another the best and worst of what is happening in our lives and in our ministries. We tell each other what's going on in our families, our biological ones, and our church ones. We ask each other questions, and we solicit advice. We pray for one another. The meeting in Waco was my sixth meeting with the community, and what I have come to expect of our time together is that there will be laughter and tear, shared joys and shared sorrows, and experiences that help me think about life and ministry in new ways and some fresh new ideas. What I have come to expect of our time together is that I will be loved and accepted for who I am, but also that I will be stretched and challenged and even changed. 
in part because the group is always changing as retired members depart and new members are invited to join. In other words, what I have come to expect about these gatherings is that I will encounter God's grace, which, in my experience and in the words of the writer Anne Lamott, meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it finds us. In today's story from the book of Acts, we meet a group of women, more specifically a group of widows who have encountered God's grace in a community of their own, at the center of which is a woman named Tabitha. Tabitha is her Hebrew name, but the narrative also tells us she was known by her Greek name, Dorcas. In other words, this woman is a bridge builder, someone who travels between two cultures. Not only does Tabitha Dorcas build bridges across cultures, she has committed herself to helping the most vulnerable in each community. When she becomes ill and dies, the widows whom Tabitha has helped are distraught, perhaps because they depend on the charity of others for their very survival. In the ancient world, widows were balanced precariously on the bottom rung of society's ladder with no hope of moving up. Tabitha had met these widows where they were. She saw them, she shared their sorrows, and she helped meet their needs. But she did not leave them where she found them. She shows them a new way to live the way of discipleship, a way that breaks down cultural barriers and boundaries to create a new community. Genuine community is a place we can be seen and appreciated for who we are, and it's a good place to be. But genuine community is also a place where we can be stretched and challenged and even changed, something that may be less welcomed, but that is often just as needed. In Christian community, we love and accept each other because we are all God's beloved children, no matter where we've been or where we're going. And we stretch and challenge each other because God is constantly inviting us to live more deeply into the values and vision of the community Jesus calls the kingdom of God, a community where people on the margins experience the kind of grace that Tabitha shared, grace that meets us where we are but does not leave us where it finds us. The writer Anne Lamott, the author of that quote about grace, grew up in California, the daughter of atheist intellectuals. Her upbringing conditioned her to expect that the Christian faith would rob her of her independence and her intellect. She went to college on a tennis scholarship but spent too much time partying, and after two years, she dropped out. She worked as a writer and experienced some success, but she continued drinking and doing drugs, which kept her stuck physically, professionally, and emotionally. 
Then one night, she was at home, drunk again and feeling awful, when it happened. She writes, As I lay there, I became aware of someone with me hunkered down in the corner, and I just assumed it was my late father whose presence I had felt over the years when I was frightened and alone. The feeling was so strong that I actually turned on the light for a moment to make sure no one was there. Of course, there wasn't. But after a while, in the dark again, I knew beyond any doubt that it was Jesus. I felt him as surely as I feel my dog lying nearby as I write this, and I was appalled. I thought about my life and my brilliant, hilarious, progressive friends. I thought about what everyone would think of me if I became a Christian. And it seemed an utterly impossible thing that simply could not be allowed to happen. I turned to the wall and said out loud, I'd rather die. I felt him sitting there on his haunches in the corner, watching me with patience and love. And I squinched my eyes shut. But that didn't help, because that's not what I was seeing him with. Finally, I fell asleep, and in the morning he was gone. The experience spooked me badly, but I thought it was just an apparition born of fear and self-loathing and booze. But then everywhere I went, I had the feeling that a little cat was following me, wanting me to reach down and pick it up, wanting me to open the door and let it in. But I knew what would happen. You let a cat in one time, you give it a little milk, and it stays forever. So I tried to keep one step ahead of it, slamming my houseboat door when I entered or left. And a week later, when I went back to this tiny church I had once wandered into, I was so hungover I couldn't stand up for the songs, and this time I stayed for the sermon, which I just thought was so ridiculous, like someone trying to convince me of the existence of extraterrestrials. But the last song was so deep and raw and pure that I could not escape. It was as if the people were singing in between the notes, weeping and joyful at the same time, and I felt like their voices or something was rocking me in its bosom, holding me like a scared kid. And I opened up to that feeling, and it washed over me. I began to cry and left before the benediction, and I raced home and felt the little cat running at my heels, and I walked down the dock past dozens of potted flowers under a sky as blue as one of God's own dreams, and I opened the door to my houseboat and stood there a minute, and then I hung my head and said, fine, I quit. I took a long, deep breath and said out loud, all right. You can come in. When Anne Lamott let Jesus into her life and into her heart, she discovered that rather than rob her of her fierce independence and formidable intellect, God met her right where she was and refused to leave her there. Instead, God called her to become more deeply herself, her best self which is exactly what she did. She managed through a lot of hard work and difficult days to get sober. 
She kept going to that tiny church and embraced the acceptance, love, and forgiveness the people there offered her. When she got pregnant, she turned to the church for help and support and got just that. And she kept writing with that same funny, authentic voice. She wrote about motherhood, her conversion to Christianity, and her stumbling, irreverent, and persistent faith. Her writing has been a gift to many, breaking down barriers and prejudices against atheists and single mothers and addicts. Anne Lamott has used her talent of writing the way Tabitha used her gifts of working with cloth to share God's love and grace with those who need it most. When Peter restores Tabitha to life with the words, Tabitha, get up, he's not just calling her back to life, he's calling her back to action. The implication of Tabitha's healing is that she will return to her life of charity and good works, will return to her needle and thread and cloth, will return to showing God's love by loving those in need around her. And because of her miraculous healing, Tabitha's circle of influence grows as her healing becomes known throughout the city of Joppa, and many are inspired to believe that God's love and grace might just be available to them too. Today, in a very visible way, we have seen God's love and grace in baptism. When we baptize, we proclaim there is nothing we can do to earn God's grace. Grace meets us right where we are. But when we baptize, we also proclaim that we belong to God, who created us to be the unique and uniquely talented people we are, which means that our gifts and talents also belong to God, who invites us to use them to make our world look more like the kingdom of God Jesus talked about. For Tabitha, this meant making clothes for those in need. For Anne Lamott, this means writing about her faith and sharing her story. If we are Easter people, and indeed we are, we are invited to consider what this means for us. How is God calling us to use our gifts in ways that make our community look more like God's kingdom? Today, we have a list of 46 people in our bulletin, 46 people who have done just that, who've made our community look a little more like God's kingdom by sharing all kinds of gifts with the children in our midst through teaching and storytelling, music and art, even just by offering a child a hand to hold as they walk through the halls of our church. Each one of these 46 people offers us an example of how we can use our gifts to strengthen this community. In our last worship service together at the community gathering in Waco, my colleague Leslie King preached a sermon in which she reflected on that old Saturday morning cartoon, Super Friends. 
For those of you who don't remember Super Friends, it was one of the first animated series based on comic book superheroes. In each episode, the Super Friends go out and do their superhero thing, usually saving the world from imminent destruction. And then at the end of every episode, they meet back up together at their headquarters, a place called the Justice Center. There they relax, they debrief, they reflect, and they plan their next adventure. As Leslie said, it was often hard to tell whether they were powering down from their last adventure or charging up for the next one. But it was clear that they had the kind of community where they were known and accepted and loved for who they were, where their unique superhero abilities were recognized and affirmed, and where they were expected to use those abilities to make the world safer and more just. For many of us, church is a place where we come to recharge, to debrief, to reflect, and to plan before we dive into another week in a world that can feel increasingly confusing and even hostile. But from its beginning in the book of Acts, The church was meant to be more than a place of comfort and belonging and gathering together with people who see things pretty much the same way we do. The church was also created to be a place where people are challenged and stretched and even changed. A place where God sees us as we are and invites us to live more deeply into our true selves using our unique gifts in service to God's kingdom. We may not be superheroes like Thor or Captain Marvel or the Black Panther, but each one of us has God-given powers, talents we can use to create genuine community, a place where all of God's children, no matter what rung they occupy on our society's ladders, where all God's children are known and accepted and loved for who they are and then invited to be stretched and changed. May this church, may this community be such a place where we gather together to both power down and charge up and then go out to use our gifts that our world might be more like God's kingdom, a place of love and mercy and justice and peace. Amen.